0: Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello, and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Vanessa Soulsby, Parking and Transit Manager with the town of Estes Park. How are you doing today, Vanessa?
1: I'm doing really well, Isaiah. Thanks so much for asking and for having me on.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you joined. been wanting to get you on for a while, and you've been requested from several people. So glad you could join. And like I began most podcasts, Vanessa, I'm very interested in how you got into parking.
1: Well, it's a great question and one, especially these days that I ask myself over (laughs) and over again as I'm in the thick of implementing paid parking. But I actually got into parking um, a way that many folks do and that I was working for a downtown association and really focused on economic vitality and recovery for a downtown that uh, was looking to make a comeback. And uh, I was managing operations. So Everything related to, you know, streetscape and the, the public environment. And I also had a lot of connections and relationships with some of the downtown business owners and merchants and property owners. And as you know, parking was always one of the biggest problems. And there had been a, a parking committee, a longstanding parking committee that had been meeting um, and talking about ways to improve the public parking experience um, in that community. I volunteered to take over that committee, and honestly, the rest is is history. It uh, it, it aligns with my love of solving seemingly unsolvable problems and uh, working in an environment that is fast paced and always unique. So I uh, started in, you know, that that love for creating wonderful places for people to come and gather, and you know, downtowns that that promote uh, economic vitality and energy and somehow got sidetracked into parking and have been here ever since.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I'm working on, on a project, a secret project. In fact, you've been helping me on it, but it's funny how you use the word economic vitality. It's it's You don't think about how much parking and transportation in a downtown affects the economic vitality. Uh, I'm just working on case studies right now, and it just seems time after time again where Paid hey, parking has been implemented and it helps turn around, revitalize, or bring more business and money into a downtown. So it's, it's, they do go hand in hand, although you would never consider that. But now you're at Estes Park. So I've heard a lot of good things, but I've never been. So tell me all about Estes Park. What makes it a special place for you and your family?
1: You know, honestly, everything makes Estes Park special. It is this little rural community. That is tucked right at the gateway of Rocky Mountain National Park. We have a a little over 6,000 full time residents, but from Memorial Day weekend through, well, it used to be through Labor Day, and now it's through probably mid October. You know, every weekend is like, you know, an NFL football weekend. We have millions of visitors flood into town to visit the community, to visit the park and to just enjoy the beautiful mountain vistas and all there is to do here you know for the outdoor lovers and for folks that just want to get away but don't necessarily want to want to drive too far we're uh, only about a 90 minute drive from the the Denver International Airport so it is an absolutely spectacular place to live and uh, we moved our family here back in 2018 Because we wanted our kids to grow up in an environment that was a little bit slower pace and that really had a heavy emphasis on beauty and nature, and Estes Park has all of that to offer, but it's such a unique community in the fact that we have such a small population. And over the summer, again, during those peak months, we can see 4.55 million visitors over the course of just a couple of months. And our infrastructure is not necessarily built to handle that many people who want to come in and enjoy everything our town has to offer.
0: Wow. That's a lot of visitors. And in fact, I was one of them. So I lied. Now that you said (laughs) Rocky Mountain National Park, it brought back a memory. And I checked my phone to verify. I have been to your wonderful community because I've been to the Rocky Mountain National Park. I'm trying to do all the national parks. I think there's 63 of them now. And I did Rocky Mountain maybe five years ago, and I think I was coming in and I thought it was like the National Park Visitor Center. I pulled over, but it was really a really cool kind of welcome Estes Park Center, I guess, Visitor Center. Yeah. Um, but went through that. That was really neat. And then before I even got to the National Park, I was still in Estes Park. I saw a big elk on the side of the road. First time I've ever seen one in a wild. I was like, wow, this is a magical place. So I, I do know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. And I could see why you want to raise your kids in that area. That's really, really neat. And now you guys are implementing paid parking. We've talked about this. That was my job for a long time. It was a difficult job, but one that I believe in because I believe in parking to transform communities. So tell us about this. Has this already happened? Are you in the middle of it? Are you about to go paid parking? Where are we at with Estes Park and the paid parking implementation?
1: Oh, goodness. So we are right in the very middle of it. So just to hit a quick rewind button, we did a downtown parking management plan in 2017, and we can talk about, you know outreach here in a minute. But as part of that plan, um, it recommended a data-driven four-step approach to moving from a largely unmanaged parking system to the fourth step, which would be potentially building future parking infrastructure if that's what the community decided. And the steps along the way included introducing, you know, monitoring of the lots and enforcement if needed, a robust parking permitting system, some time-limited areas, and to collect data after each of those steps to see, you know, are we influencing behavior? Are people making different parking choices? And that's what we've been doing since I started my job with the town in 2018. And we've made a little bit of progress, but not not the progress that we needed to in terms of uh, making sure there's a space or two available for folks that want to come to the downtown during the summer. So we set about uh, implementing paid parking. Actually, we started the process in the fall of 2019 and received approval of our town board. And we're uh, moving full steam ahead towards implementation last summer when, like many other plans. Our plans were put on hold due to the pandemic, and we decided to pause implementation until 2021. So after we moved through last year and and last fall, we went back to the town board again to to confirm their willingness to continue the program in 2021. And so we just launched it on Friday, May 28th. We have a seasonal paid parking program that will run through our busy season conclusion in mid october and um so we are just right in the thick of rolling everything out and in the thick of seeing what we did right and what we need to change so we are right in the middle of it but it is the first time in the town's history that uh paid parking has been introduced
0: oh wow so i like what you said to see what went right what didn't because it's not a one size fits all it's not a plant a flag and and leave it is an ongoing process you learn you measure you adapt you keep moving forward so it's interesting to see what you learn from these first few months to see how you pivot to improve the system and and one thing I've learned I don't know kind of how you all approach this but we like to do kind of like a I wouldn't call it a soft launch the meters are on but maybe we do warnings for a week or we do something just more educational than shoving tickets down the the third. How did, how did you approach that? Are you guys issuing real tickets now? Uh, how how does how does that work with you all?
1: So that your uh, experience is right in line with our thinking as well. Um, you know, the enforcement part of our job is definitely the least favorite, and our whole program is built around education with the goal of voluntary compliance. Enforcement is something we do as a last result, and so uh, when we launched uh, the new paid parking program a few weeks ago, we uh, made cards that instead of giving live citations uh, for those we found that had not paid or maybe in violation, we put a card that said, welcome to SS Park. We're so glad you're here. It looks like you may not have paid in this paid parking area. Here are the ways you do so next time. Hope to see you again soon. So we did uh, a full week of those uh, warning cards. And then another i would say maybe 4 or 5 days of and we're still kind of in the middle of that right now which is the issuing a live citation but it's a 0 dollar fine again we're moving through various stages of education and it's difficult in a tourist community because you know we've got a different group of folks every weekend that are learning the system it's new, it may not be new to them to pay to park but it could be the technology's new or it's new to pay in Estes Park so we have to be cognizant that every weekend It's kind of like Groundhog Day and we're starting all over again. So we're really leading with um, the the friendliest approach that we can. We do have parking ambassadors instead of enforcement officers that are out in the field uh, and they can answer questions. And, you know, we try and be extremely flexible with our citations. If someone calls or appeals a ticket and has a compelling reason why I didn't realize this, this is something new um we're always open to you know giving people a chance or two to to get the a new system right and that i think it's only fair that we do that not only for the visitors but also for our local community too
0: no i love it we 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 call them oops uh, we have these yes, kind of I a was brochure yeah i actually say oops. no uh, yeah, <laughs> they we, do it, yeah That's hilarious <laughs> the front would say oops and you would you would say, you know, hey, normally this would have been a parking ticket, but this is a new program. We're educating. I like exactly what you said. Give them yes. options to pay and uh, really, really neat. Now, you also mentioned just the kind of the seasonal aspect, the tourist-based. Another best practice, I'm curious if if our thinking is alike, is a lot of times maybe the residents who they are year-round could purchase some sort of pass or something or have a space for them and parking facilities for at a discounted rate. And then really the people that are paying are, are the visitors. So it's one of those, I saw a, a, a funny skit, Monty Python, where they're talking about how to raise money in England. They're like, we should just tax other countries to raise money for themselves. But it's almost like, look, we could put more money into the community by charging our visitors. Usually they're on vacation. They have budget, spending $5 to park downtown to have a nice dinner is not an issue at all. But have you guys kind of flirt with that idea of a discounted rate for residents?
1: Yeah, we had a, quite a few conversations with our citizen transportation advisory board as we were thinking about um, how the the seasonal paid parking program would unfold. And one of the things that we wanted to do was make sure that residents, um, and we have a lot of part-time residents as well, uh, being a, a vacation destination. So both our full-time and our part-time residents and those that drive in from nearby communities to work here or take their kids to school here, that those folks would have access to town hall, to the library, to the post office, and to anywhere else downtown they might want to go um, and not have to pay a fee. And after several discussions, what we came up with was what we call the local 30 minute pass. And if you live within the school district, which again extends outside the town boundaries, um, we have a lot of um, smaller communities nearby folks can register for the free permit. And then it allows them a half hour of free parking in any of the paid areas daily. On top of the fact that we set aside a number of free time-limited spaces, again, at those major major civic locations like town hall or the library or the post office. And we wanted to make sure that in addition to folks being able to come to those facilities or use their 30-minute local permit to pop into their favorite coffee shop or pick up lunch or you know, run in for an appointment. We also have our largest parking area adjacent to the downtown, our parking structure. We are running our uh, trolley service to and from the parking structure and visitor center to downtown along Elkhorn, which are, which is our charming kind of main street district. That trolley runs nine am to nine pm every day. So if folks do not want to pay at all or mess with a permit or try and you know vie for one of the time limited spaces, there is a large pool of available free parking within either a five minute walk or a few minute trolley ride um, right from the downtown core.
0: Oh wow. You got a lot of great options, a lot of different things to accommodate people and hopefully kind of create the goal, you know, create an open space on every block so people can come in, park and get out without cruising and causing traffic, congestion, pollution, create that turnover so people could put. So visitors can spend that money in downtown businesses. So I really like all the different options. And I know you do more than parking. I think your your role is parking and transit. So that's really cool. You're involved with the shuttle and all that. So you mentioned kind of different meetings already, but talk us through some of that. What what was the stakeholder engagement process like? You know, as far as meeting with different business owners or residents or visiting visitors. How how did you kind of get feedback to use for for the program?
1: So as you may know, stakeholder engagement and outreach is kind of a passion area of mine. It's, uh, I think it springs from my ultimate love, which is just creating really great places and making it easy for folks to get there. And, you know, with all of our professional experience, we can play an important role as parking or transportation professionals, but we really need the community to help guide us. And so. Of all the things that I am proud of in my role at the town and with this um, project implementation is the outreach effort that we've conducted. Uh, we started back in 2017, you know, as part of that downtown parking management plan before I was with the town, but I was working with the town at the time. And we did a year long public outreach process with surveys and meetings and, uh, you know, workshopping just to, to spend that time to introduce the community members that participated, why we need to manage parking in the first place, not just paid parking, but all the different management strategies we have in our toolbox. And so when I came on staff in 2018, I continued this work. And again, we we spent most of that first year in 2019, my first full year with the town, doing a lot of those same strategies. Again, we had you know, workshops. We did presentations to different groups like the, ro- the Rotary Clubs here locally. We worked with, you know, the Lodging Association. We had presentations to, you know, multiple presentations to our Transportation Advisory Board, which is a citizen group, to our, our town trustees. We had booths at the farmer's market. You know, we just tried to make ourselves available everywhere we could. And also have online options as well for those who couldn't participate in person. And then we've continued that level of rigorous outreach, uh, you know, through 2019 and actually through the pandemic as well. We spent a bunch of time last spring talking to downtown business owners and employees about parking accommodations for them if we implemented paid parking. Where how could we accommodate a seasonal, very transient workforce? many of whom are in the service industry and may not want to pay for parking or buy a permit. So trying to figure out how we could accommodate those that worked and owned businesses downtown. And again, did another lengthy series of town board presentations and public hearings, just so folks could learn about what what we were planning to do and when we were planning to do it. And then this spring, beginning in around January, if not once a week, then twice a week we had some sort of presentation to a community group. We held weekly office hours at the library. We called it parking office hours. Anybody could show up and ask any question. We had a new website that we built. We have a social media, a Facebook post that we do called the Parking Space on the Town's page, where we just, you know, share information, frequently ask questions. And we spent a lot of time this spring making sure that all of the information that we are providing about, when paid parking was going to start, what it was going to mean, where were there going to be free options, who had to pay, getting all of this information, how you pay once you arrive, what pay station technology or mobile payment options, getting all this information translated into Spanish as well, and making sure that the technologies that we were using offered other languages too. So we spent a tremendous amount of time this spring I haven't tallied up the number of presentations lately, but I think it was around 40 between January and, and March and April. And we're continuing that level of outreach, making ourselves available to answer questions. And I would anticipate that probably in July, I think we're trying to catch our breath right now, but probably in July, we will be doing some intercept surveys, working with our chamber to maybe hold some focus groups so we can do a mid-year implementation update probably in August um, to share with our trustees and our community where we are, what, what we're doing, how the program is unfolding. And interestingly enough, I, I've been thinking lately, because as you know, um, there's lots of folks that are not a fan of, of parking management and paid parking in particular. And I'm wondering if we've almost had this boomerang thing going where we've talked about it too much and it's actually, we've completely saturated Everybody with our message about paid parking and it's becoming more of a topic than it really needs to be because while it's important, it should be something that is supporting the community, not top of mind for everybody so i'm a I've been thinking about that a lot as well is when is is there a point when good practices in public outreach and communication become too much and it just is a sense of reag or aggravating and or Reminding people that may not be in favor of what you're doing that you're doing it over and over and over again. So, yeah, never really thought about that.
0: Yeah, we're almost over communicating, but mm-hmm. no, I mean kudos to you all because yeah, sometimes those meetings can be unpleasant, but they're so critical to explain the program, to garner support where applicable, to. Answer questions. Sometimes there's a lot of miscommunication and misperception. So just addressing some of that, going over case studies and stories of how this has worked in other communities. But at the end of the day, every community is different. You've got to address what's important to Estes Park and the problems you guys are facing. And it's just such an important piece. In fact, speaking of your presentations of stakeholder engagement, I found one of your presentations or studies online. And I was really intrigued by this warrant process. So I've seen that with like uh, traffic lights, you know, the warrant process. But maybe I don't want to stay your thunder because I think this is, I don't think anyone else is doing this in the industry. So maybe this is something you invented or maybe you yeah. took it for someone else. But talk about this, uh, the warrant process, because I think that's really, really unique.
1: Yeah. So I will uh, first and foremost say that, you know, Imitation is the highest form of flattery. So I actually picked this up when I was doing some work with Dennis Burns, uh, with with Kimley Horn, and this was a process that was actually developed by a stakeholder. I believe it was in the city of San Marcos, Texas, and they had they were undergoing a very similar conversation that we were a few years ago. You know, it was paid parking right for their community? And um, one of their very smart traffic engineers said, there's this process um, related to traffic signal warranting and maybe we can apply it to parking. And I think that we picked up on it and worked to modify it for our community while we were in the thick of making the decision about whether our community was ready for to make the leap between, you know, unmanaged parking and time limited parking to a paid parking environment. And the whole concept uh, behind it was just to see if we could, which criteria and which factors we could look at, in addition to the you know volumes and volumes of data that we were collecting. So we of course looked at occupancy, and we looked at turnover, and we looked at you know proximity to transit access. We looked at you know. What's the revenue generation potential of a particular parking area? Is it a good candidate to go to paid parking, or would the infrastructure, you know, involved be kind of an overkill? For you know, we have some smaller parking areas. We looked at you know the use, the other uses of the public parking areas that could potentially be transitioned to paid parking. Is this a parking lot that's often taken up by special events? Uh, We have a ton of special events in Essos Park. It's a beautiful community. And, you know, looking at that as a factor to weigh our decision on, you know, is this a good lot to move to paid parking? If most of the time it's taken up by, you know, special events or other uses, you know, we have some parking lots that have, you know, a really mixed use and we have, while we've been trying to slowly uh, minimize the reserved parking areas um we do have some lots where the police department has reserved spaces they need for emergency access or the library has spaces for folks that uh, need a uh, you know a little extra help uh, and they need a close up parking space or some volunteers that have mobility issues so again looking at not every parking area as exactly the same and looking at the unique characteristics and so that's one of the ways that we analyze each of our parking areas while we were making that decision on should the lot go paid or not paid? Is it ready for it? Versus just looking at all of our parking and saying, okay, paid or not paid. We really looked at it as lot by lot, area by area, zone by zone, and what was happening in that zone uh, and whether it was a good candidate to be moved from unmanaged and or time limited to paid parking.
0: Yeah. I'll have to put a link to that maybe in the the show notes because I think that's really cool. I'm glad to you explain the origin of that because that's something I want to start using because it just makes sense to, to have a, a lot of conjecture, but that's kind of uh, adds a data element to it, you know? It it's, does. It, yeah. And yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I like many communities, our community was really focused on, you know, understanding <clears throat> the business case for moving from an unmanaged parking environment. I mean, there's the anecdotal stories, like I can't find a space, but how does that translate to, okay, how many spaces are actually available? And what is the financial impact to the community? So drawing those connections for folks, because it really, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, it feels very counterintuitive that if you're making things more restrictive and or charging for them, that it would actually increase the volume of folks coming and as a result, increase the economic vitality of a particular area. So it feels very counterintuitive. So it helps to break it down and explain it for folks step by step.
0: Okay. and. What about your revenues? You know, we I think the Dr. Shoot, Donald Shoop model is when you're putting in paid parking, pay your expenses and any proceeds put back into the community, whether it's street improvements or putting lights or maybe a dog park. I've seen all kinds of fun stuff, but are you guys doing something like that or is it going into the general fund to help with other departments?
1: Yes, we were very clear as part of our Recommendation to the town board to move forward with the implementation of paid parking. At that very same time, we also brought our staff recommendation to set up a special revenue fund where the proceeds from uh, the paid parking fees, as well as any citations, special event revenue, anything related to parking revenues goes into a fund. And we were very clear in the ordinance that authorized paid parking about where we could spend those funds. And our vision was a uh, reinvestment in improvements in our seasonal transit system, which is completely town funded currently. So we run a free shuttle system over the sun- summer that connects folks with a whole bunch of different places in town, not just the downtown. So using any parking revenues to make improvements to our transportation system here locally, which is free and open to all riders, as well as to begin letting parking pay its own way. So, paying to manage the program, to debt service on our garage, to, you know, repaving the parking areas, making sure they're clean and tidy and they look nice and the technology is working. And also to make sure that if a community decides down the road that they would like to make investment in future parking infrastructure, whether that's a, a parking structure somewhere, a second parking structure. That we would have the ability to do that financially. So those were the main goals to support future parking and transportation infrastructure. But we've already begun conversations internally about where else we might be able to use any excess parking revenues we may generate above what we think we might to improve and/or contribute to the downtown community. And whether that's through, you know, a facade improvement program or you mentioned a dog park, things like that that really do benefit the area in which the fees were collected, that is absolutely the model that we are following here in Estes Park.
0: Man, I'm trying to trip you up. So I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm having problems finding one, but here's one. Okay, so Estes Park, you guys also made the decision to outsource the management, which I work for a parking management company that does just that, but why the decision to outsource uh, versus keep it in-house? And furthermore, how is the parking management company structured in that? Did they get a percentage of the revenues? Is it a management fee? And whichever route you went, why did you decide to go that route?
1: So going with the outsourced model was absolutely the right decision. And I would make it again, any day of the week. And our motivation initially was because by the time we finished again, another year-long outreach process in 2019 and moved through, I think it was maybe four or five different meetings with our town board to get to approval. It was already very, very late in the year. In 2019, I think it was either November or December, and our season starts in May. And so I made the recommendation to our uh, public works director, who's my supervisor, that we look at an outsourced model versus uh, building a staff team, because I thought we could get up to speed faster. Um, we also did, a, you know, kind of a financial analysis to make sure we wouldn't be overspending one way or the other, and it looked like outsourcing was also the good financial choice as well. So we uh, we quickly got someone on board through a competitive RFP process, and again, it's been a terrific decision because, as you know, we put the program on hold last year for a pandemic, and um, our operator stood by us, which was uh, we were really grateful for. And we had their contract set up initially as a management fee, and that is still the case today. Um, our operator does not benefit if they write more tickets or if we, you know, get more parking fees or, you know, any of those things that I think we often hear about from the community about, you know, having quotas or trying to make more money and, None of that matters with the the management fee model that we have The our operator knows what their set management fee is per year and that is all of their compensation in addition to you know pass through expenses that are pre-authorized by the town.
0: Yeah, I've seen, you know, I've seen mistakes where towns create some sort of lease and it's like you're incentivizing your vendor to raise rates and write a million tickets, and that's never going to work when you're putting in paid parking. So I really like outsourcing with the model of a a flat management fee, where, like you said, if they write one ticket or ten thousand parking tickets, they make the same amount of money, and that's crucial for building that stakeholder support. And you talk, you mentioned the words ambassador program, where the first goal is education; it's to get them to meter compliance to get them to pay the meters as opposed to banging out tickets because they'll make more money. So that's really, really neat how you set it up and the correct way to go. And I'm all in favor of the outsource model. So, man, I know you're just starting, you're just cashing your breath. Maybe we could follow up in a, in a few months or a year to see how it's going. I wish you guys the, the, the best. I know it's difficult like ripping off the bandaid at first, but eventually I think... As the revenue starts going back into the community, as people have places to park, as businesses hear less complaints about people not being able to find parking, I think it's going to be worth all the hard work you're going through. So Vanessa, man, that's wonderful. How can people kind of follow along with Estes Park and learn more about how the parking program is going?
1: Folks can always visit us on the web. We're pretty easy to find. It's just estusorg slash parking. And all of our information is there. And I welcome folks to go on there and see what we're doing. Uh, One of the things that may be of interest to your listeners is that uh, we strive for transparency at every turn. That's why we do so much outreach. And as I mentioned, we collect oodles and oodles of data. And we report that weekly to our town board. And that's you know, our our occupancy, how many permits we've sold, the revenue we're generating, how people are paying, when, like what time of the day they're paying. And we create a data dashboard each week. And uh, beginning this week, we're actually going to be posting all of our data dashboards on our website so the community can follow along in real time and see how the program is unfolding. Because I think that's a really important piece. I've been spending, you know uh, most of my time since you know 2018, 2017 talking to people about how we think this program will unfold and the fact that we are going to be as flexible and as adaptable as possible and why we're doing this. So it only makes sense that we would continue to share that information as we learn it. You know Are we changing behavior? Are we completely off? Or are we on the mark with our revenue projections? that we share that in real time that, so the community can access it and digest it and follow along with us. So I invite all of your listeners to follow along on our journey too. We're going to try and track it and, and post it uh, weekly on our, our website.
0: Yeah. Transparency is critical. So glad to hear you guys mm-hmm. taking those steps. And when you are not putting in paid parking or solving the parking and transportation problems in Estes Park, what do you like to do for fun?
1: Well, first and foremost, snuggle my cute little babies. I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, so I guess they're not babies anymore, but they are my very top priority. But when we're not doing that, my husband and I love to sneak away and run and go, well, not season anymore, but go alpine touring up in the park. And just even though there's not lifts anymore, there's some of the most amazing backcountry skiing. So there's so much to do here. And it's a big part of why we moved here is to be outside and enjoy everything that Estes Park has to offer.
0: Good for you. And five and three, yes, they, they'll they still hug mommy and sit on your lap. So they're, they're still your babies. Uh, mine are 12 and 11. They're starting to, it's sad. They're starting to become little mini adults. It's, <laughs> it's Enjoy that age while, while it lasts, but that's awesome. So Vanessa, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I love learning more about some of the best practices and things you're doing as you implement paid parking. We wish you the best. We'll talk again Thanks soon.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun.
0: To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Alison Gilley. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker's Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcast. Are you interested in your parking organization becoming APO, Accredited Parking Organization Certified through the International Parking and Mobility Institute? Or perhaps you're interested in one of your green garages becoming ParkSmart Certified through USGBC? Well, the Parking Podcast is here to help. Our Parking Accreditations Consultants Network will ensure you are matched with the best site reviewer or green garage assessor available for a fraction of the price. Learn more at parkingcast.com consulting. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup to nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org slash textbook.